الحمد لله واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له. We continue to record these khutbas because they are very important. Now I know what I'm going to talk about. About, uh, in fact, exactly 19 years ago, I started the research on the Quran. I put it in the computer. And you know the rest of the story. Now, after that, there was tremendous publicity for the miracle of the Quran. We had not reached the, the conclusion that is causing all kinds of problems for the disbelievers that we shall worship God alone, that we shall devote ourselves to Allah alone, and that we must uphold the Quran, the whole Quran, and nothing but Quran. Until this conclusion appeared about 1976, there was tremendous publicity for the miracle of Quran and the putting the Quran in the computer. And it was a very popular issue. The leaflet was distributed by the millions throughout the Muslim world and was translated to all languages of the world, French and Japanese. And and the biblical scholars apparently became jealous and they wanted to do the same thing. So they did organize a very uh, uh, sanctioned study at the Hebrew University in Jerusalem. A fellow by the name of uh, Katz uh, put the Bible in the computer, the Torah the five books of Moses, I guess. And what we did was to uh, first, let's say, uh, I'm going to put the English, but they used the original to them, what, what were the oldest text they can get hold of. In the beginning, you know, that's how uh, the book of Genesis begins. What they did was, Take, uh, take every second letter. I think they started with every seventh letter. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So they took every seventh letter, put all these letters together, and tried to get meaningful words or sentences out of them. That didn't work. So they took every eighth letter. And that didn't work. And they kept going on until they got to some number and they found the word Torah. And they became very excited. And they said, God is saying that this is the Torah and so on. They found words like uh, Elohim, Jerusalem, Holocaust. But these words were formed from the letters that they extracted from the text, the original text of the Bible. Last night, Larry King had a professor at the University of California, San Diego. His name was Richard, Richard Elliott Freeman. His book is now in the, in the market, and they're making a big noise about it. The book is entitled, Who Wrote the Bible? And in the question and answer by telephone, somebody asked him if he's familiar with the computer work that was done in Israel. And uh, I'm going to let you hear the answer. Then I will comment from there on. Don't worry, get here. 
and uh, I pointed out these things to him that we have no chance of manipulating the Quran because we did not choose the Q or the S or the N. And I asked him, I asked him to explain how come all these are consistently multiples of 19. We have seven chapters initial to HM. Seven chapters. And you count these initials in the seven chapters and you have 2147. Or 19 times 113. 2147. These seven chapters are almost one tenth of the Quran. And if you have one extra H or one extra M, this will, will not be a multiple of 19. It's an extremely sensitive mathematical composition. ALM in, in, in chapter 2, 9,899 of them. You count the letter A, the letter M, the letter L, and the letter M, and the total is 9,899. We did not choose ALM. Like they skipped every seventh letter, every eighth letter, and then they took the letters out and tried to make words out of them. Like Dr. Freeman said, you can do it with any book. Some of the critics say you can do this with any book, but it's not true. I tell them, fine. They said you can do it with any number, not necessarily 19. I say, please, let us see some other numbers. You know, we'd like to see a miraculous composition of the Quran using any number. And they, they haven't shown us anyth anything yet. 19 years until now. And we challenge them. To prove any mistake here, there isn't any. Notice this is 9899. Sounds like the price of a used car. 9899.99 cents. <laughs> but this is a multiple of 19. 19 times 5, 2, One letter A, if it's added or lost, becomes 9898, and that will not be a multiple of 19. If you add one L or one M in chapter 2, a huge chapter, just one letter lost or added, and you have 9900, which is a nice round number, but it's not a multiple of 19. We have a chapter initial with K, H, Y. Aim, A, S, the heavy S. This happens to be chapter 19. And it has to do with the story of Mary and Jesus, the virgin birth, the miracles of Jesus, things that are normally unbelievable. And this is why God is strengthening this chapter with five initials. And you count them. These are distinct letters that I have in the book, the visual presentation book. With every, every one of these letters marked with a star, so they can see for themselves. When you are feeding them the miracle with a spoon. The, the first book was just tables and numbers, and they said, how do we know you're not lying? How do we know these numbers are correct? So I printed the, the second book for them with every letter. I say, all you need to do is show me one letter without a star, one of these letters without a star, or show me a star under a letter that is not one of these. There are 798 of these. This is 19 times 40, 
consistently, every single one of them without exceptions, 29 chapters initially. And we have no choice. Yes, K-H-Y-A-S have been in the Quran for 1400 years. There is no chance for manipulating or playing around. And after the conclusion came that we shall worship God alone and uphold the Quran alone, you know how popular I am. They are dying to find a mistake. It's a blessing from God that I'm not that popular. Just received a death threat the other day. Somebody said, this Saudi is going to assassinate you. Only three days ago. That's how popular I am. So you can imagine how eager they are to find mistakes. And you can't be sure if they find one mistake, because one mistake means the whole thing collapses. And this is what I'm telling them. I said, I'll forget the whole thing if you find one mistake, because God is perfect. And his system is perfect. There are other initials. A-L-M-R. A-L-M-S. A-L-R. TSM. TS. YS. YS is a surah entitled YS, surah number 36. You count the Y and the S. In this chapter, the 285. 19 times 15. Strange things happen in the Quran. There is a letter, yeah, this letter is questionable in many, many surahs. There are many words. Like, for example, Yatawafakum is written with a yeah in the word that is obscure, yeah. It's kind of a questionable yeah. You do not find a single questionable word in this surah. They're all the straightforward yeah. Yeah, seen. 285. I don't know what other letters I forgot, but every single one in their chapters is a multiple 19. No wonder God calls this one of the greatest miracles. And we are the lucky generation that witnesses this miracle. The consequences of this miracle certainly are fantastic. And they have evolved to the ultimate conclusion that, uh, that I've been telling you about. God is doing everything. This is the ultimate conclusion. This ultimate conclusion explains why the majority of believers are going to hell. Because there are lots of people who believe in God, but they don't believe that he's doing everything. It's a very crucial conclusion, the ultimate conclusion. The one that leads us to heaven. And you can understand why it is rare that people, people go to heaven, people are going to heaven are rare. And we find this in the Bible consistently, the Bible in the Quran. <clears throat> Narrow, straightened is the road to heaven. Wide and spacious is the road to hell, says the Bible. The Quran says the same thing. Tubu ilallah. Repent. Praise be to God. I bear witness that there is no God except the one God. 
who was doing everything. God is doing everything. And some people added a few things. Lisa, brother, they was telling me she added, and I wholeheartedly submit to him. Next, uh, another complete sentence. God is doing everything, and I wholeheartedly submit to him. Because this ultimate conclusion that God is doing everything sheds a whole new light on the idea of submission to God. Because from now on, you will not be an objector. You will not be unhappy with anything. If you're unhappy with anything, you're an objector. If there is anything that causes unhappiness, you have to find out what it is and eliminate it. Look for the non-Quranic situations in your life. Eliminate them. You must live, you must be sure that everything in your life is Quranic. Quranic means the word of God. In the meeting in San Diego, the one fellow over there, the objecting fellow, was saying that uh, out of this research came the, uh, the dating for the end of the world. In the first book, The Computer Speaks, as you remember, I said that uh, the end of the world, God says that the end of the world is 2280 AD. 1710 AH. Both of them multiples of 19. Okay, he said that this is a very dangerous thing to say. Now, why is it dangerous? Whether it is correct or, or wrong, why is it dangerous? First of all, we're not going to live until that time. Second of all, if it is wrong, I mean, what is, I mean, why is it? It's a piece of information. I must mention here that uh, the three minimum requirements in the Quran. In Surah 2, verse 62, and also the same thing is repeated in Surah 5. It says the minimum requirements are believe in God, believe in the hereafter, lead a righteous life. These are the three minimum requirements. You make it to heaven. If you believe in God alone, believe in the hereafter and lead a righteous life. There is nothing about Moses and Jesus and Muhammad. You don't have to believe in them. There's nothing about the Quran or the Bible or the Gospel. You don't have to believe in them. There's nothing in there about anything. There's nothing about the angels. You believe in the angels? Of course you believe in the angels. But it is not a requirement. It's a piece of information. It's an additional piece of information. There's a difference between the knowledgeable person and an ignorant person. And all of them, if they satisfy these three requirements, they make it to heaven. But to believe in the angels, the, the messengers, the scriptures, all these are additional pieces of information, valuable pieces of information. And one of the valuable pieces of information is that God put in the Quran the end of the world. So I'm going, this khutbah will be devoted to this. First of all, the Quran is God's final message to the world. God is the only one who knows when the world will end. And God wants to tell the world about the end of the world and when it will be. And God put it in the, in the final message to the world. So it is not me who is saying or predicting the end of the world. 
It is the all knowledgeable God Almighty that is saying in the Quran when it will end. And it goes like this. In Surah 20, verse 15, God says, I will not keep the end of the world hidden. And in Surah 15, God says, we have given you, O Muhammad, the seven pairs. The seven pairs. Fourteen. And the letters that I showed you in the first khutbah are fourteen. Fourteen sets. So they are, as you see, a fantastic miracle. And God is telling Muhammad what a blessing it was that God gave him these seven pairs. Now, when the Quran was revealed, there were no numbers. This ALM, the first verse of Surah 2, for example, you can look on them as letters, and you can also look on them as numbers. This is 71. This was 71 at the time of revelation of the Quran. We did not have these numbers when the Quran was revealed. A is 1, L is 30, L is 40. 1, 30, 40, the total is 71. You add the 14 sets of numbers, and they give you 17 all night total. So we have given you all Muhammad. The verse, when you look at it carefully in view of all the Quran, <coughs> That from Muhammad to the end of the world, or from the Quran to the end of the world, 1709 years. After you complete 1709 years, you go into 1710. After Hezra, which is a multiple of 19, there is one flag goes up, a sign, a confirmation. The corresponding year, AD, is 2280, which is also a multiple of 19. Another flag goes up. This Discovery happened in the year 1400 A.H. And it said that the end of the world will be 1709. I mean, the, the total number of the letters was 1709. So how many years are left? How many complete years? Because 1710 will not be complete. Before the end of 1710, the world will end. 309. And immediately a flag goes up. We find in Surah 18, the people of the cave. God didn't tell us how many there are in the cave. And, and God goes out of his way to tell us, I'm not going to tell you how many there are in the cave. Three, and people say four. Five, and people say six. Or seven, and people say their eighth is a dog. Say, God knows how many there are. So I'm not going to tell you how many, but he tells us how long they lasted in the cave. 300 increased by nine. Why? This is a Quranic number. And, uh, and uh, you, you look in the surah, and it tells you why God says, told us about the fear of the cave. It says, to remove all doubt about the end of the world. I'm going to say it in Arabic, and the translation in English. I mean, what is more straightforward than that? It says, That the end of the world, there is no doubt about it. Now, so this, to remove all doubt concerning the calculations, this is connected with the end of the world. We have given you the seven pairs. 
It's connected with the end of the world, with Surah 15. The verse before that, before we have given you seven prayers, God says that God is the omniscient, who knows the creator of the omniscient, who knows everything and knows when the world will end. That your Lord is the creator of the omniscient who knows when it will end. We have given you seven pairs and the great Quran. So all these signs together tell us that there is no doubt. But it is a piece of information. It is not required to go to heaven. The minimum requirements are believe in God, believe in the hereafter, lead a righteous life under any name. If you're a Buddhist or Hindu or Christian or Jewish or Muslim, under any name, if you worship God alone, the creator of the universe, and believe in the hereafter, heaven and hell, resurrection after death, and lead a righteous life. You can't just believe in God and the hereafter and be a nasty, bad person, liar, cheat, and all that. You have to lead a righteous life. So these three minimum requirements will lead you to heaven. Belief in the messengers, Muhammad, Jesus, Moses, is not required. The angels is not required. Believing in the scriptures is not required. We don't see it in the... Believing that the, the world will end in 1710 or 2280 is not, is not required. But it is a valuable piece of information, as valuable as knowing that there are angels and jinns and messengers and scriptures. Praise be to God, and I bear witness that there's only one God, Allah. Looks like the rain is delaying a number of people, so I'm going to start with the less important subjects and keep the important subjects to the second khutbah. In this khutbah, I want to talk about the subjects for the Muslim perspective that we'll be preparing, inshallah, in the next few days. Uh, one important subject is, uh, I don't know if it's a new idea, but it's an idea called universal unity. And I'm abbreviating it, you and you, universal unity, through devotion to God alone. The idea is that uh, the Protestants are fighting the Catholics in Ireland, the Jews are fighting the Muslims in the Middle East, the Hindus are fighting the Sikhs in India. The Sunnis and Shias are fighting each other in Iran and Iraq. And there is one thing in common among all those people, the Protestants, the Catholics, the Hindus, the Sikhs, the Muslims, the Sunnis, the Shias. This one common bond is belief in God. They all believe in God. So it dawned on me that if we rise above the human factors, if the human race rises above the human factors, such as Jesus, Mary, Muhammad, the saints, and so on, they will be united. There will be no reason to be different. The reason the Sunnis are fighting the Shias is because they reverence different Imams, human factors. The reason the Protestants are fighting the Catholics is uh, Martin Luther, a human factor. The reason the Mormons are, Mormons are Mormons is Joseph Smith, and so on. 
So it is these human factors, Muhammad, Jesus, Mary, Joseph Smith, and so on, that cause the differences. If we focus on the one common linkage, that is belief in God, we will have one objective to love, one objective to worship, one and the same. So this is why I call that universal unity. I finished a video program a couple of days ago, I mean the, the shooting of it. I'll be editing it in the next two weeks, and inshallah we'll be showing it in Washington, D.C., in New York, Boston, Cincinnati, San Francisco, Los Angeles, the major centers. And the, Chicago, we got Chicago also. So uh, the program will emphasize these uh, points of differences and the one point of unity. And I will be asking them to get together with us in promoting universal unity. The complete name is universal unity through devotion to God alone. And by the way, we're going to change this sign out there. <laughs> While studying this subject, I realized that you can submit to somebody while hating his guts. So submission is not really a good word. Devotion is a positive word. So we're going to change the sign and make it happiness is devotion to God alone. This is a product of this a universal unity idea. This is one subject. And I'm going to put this in the Muslim perspective, on the back page. On the front page, I'm going to talk about polygamy, which is a very popular subject. I had a call from New York, Saida Ahmed, most of you know her, and they're having a big problem with New York Muslims abusing the law, God's law, polygamy. So I want to start off by saying that we have laws, divine laws in the Quran. Polygamy is one of them. It is God's law. It is allowed. But I want to say that when, when we abuse God's law, any of God's laws, the retribution is really not worth it. The retribution is severe. We can't cheat ourselves and justify things for ourselves. But when we look at the subject of polygamy, our example is the Prophet Muhammad. Sometimes they accuse us that we do not follow the example of the Prophet, and this is a lie. But our example here, a perfect example, is the Prophet Muhammad. He had one wife until she died. For 25 years, he had one wife. All his youth, from the age of 25 to 50. He had only one wife, he had all his children from her, except one. And after Khadija died, he married widows of his friends who had children to give them his name. He had a couple of political marriages that were actually forced on him. Abu Bakr told him, you have to marry my daughter, you must marry my daughter. So he married Aisha. And they lie, they say that he married Aisha when she was nine. Well. Even now, when, when a girl is born in a family, they, they name her, uh, her husband-to-be. When she's still nine hours old, she's going to marry you know, some cousin. 
So this is happening now, and uh, this is what happened with Aisha, but he did not marry her until she was a mature woman. That was a political marriage. Another political marriage was his friend Omar, who told him, you've got to marry my daughter, Hafsa, also. So, but his marriages, after Khadija died, were all to alleviate sorrow. So here is an important criterion for polygamy, is that you alleviate sorrow, you do not create sorrow. I'm going to put this in the perspective. So somebody who who wants to use this law has to be very careful not to abuse it. And he has to use this criterion. Am I creating sorrow or alleviating sorrow? Will there be creation of pain or removal of pain? This is, this is one thing. Am I driven by lust or am I driven by uh, charitable feelings? We have, we are, we are very special people who are people who decided to worship God alone and follow his laws. And we have to be the harshest on ourselves. So I'm going to write this on the front page of the Muslim perspective. I think these are all the criteria I could think of, but uh, I think we don't need to say anymore once we think of the example of the prophet, especially that he was living in a society where polygamy was a way of life. And every man had 20, 30 wives, 200 wives, depending on how rich he was. There was a way of life in the society. Where in this society, it is not a way of life. It is even illegal, according to the laws of this country. But it is, the law is being abused everywhere. I hear examples from everywhere in the country by, by Muslims. And they're paying dearly because uh, abusing God's law. When you become a Muslim, you know better. When you know better, the responsibility is, is, is multiplied many fold and the retribution is really severe. It's not worth it. The important subject I want to talk about uh, in this khutbah is uh, I was reading the Bible, preparing this book about Jesus. And uh, in one place, Jesus tells the people, uh, your problem is that you do not know God. And this happens to be the problem right now. People do not know God. So I'm going to review with you some scientific facts that you already know. Because if we know God, we will understand why every page of the Quran says God alone, worship God alone. And we'll understand the blasphemy of putting human creatures anywhere near God. We live in uh, something called the solar system. And our sun is 93 million miles away. 93 million miles away. This is 93,000 times <clears throat> as much as from here to New York. 93,000 times. Going to New York and coming back. 93,000 times. 
That is how far the sun is from us. The light of the sun takes four minutes to reach us. That's the speed of light, 93 million miles in four minutes. The solar system has 12 planets, maybe more, that they haven't discovered yet. And these, the, solar, the sun and the 12 planets around it occupy a distance that goes to 4 billion miles, okay, 4,000 millions of miles. This is our solar system. Our sun is a star, and in our universe there are a billion, trillion stars. This is stated clearly in the Quran when God says in Surah 40 that the creation of the heavens is a lot more difficult than the creation of the human being. If you can imagine that. But see, we have a billion, trillion heavenly bodies, no, excuse me, only stars. Because there are uncountable decillions of other heavenly bodies associated with those stars. A billion, trillion stars in one billion galaxies. All these are scientific facts. One billion galaxies. Our galaxy is called the Milky Way galaxy. And our next door galaxy is two million light years away. That's next door. If you live two million years and travel at the speed of light, doing nothing else, just traveling at the speed of light, you will go next door galaxy <laughs> in two million years. There are a billion of those, billion galaxies. And we learn from Quran that these, now by the way, it will take you something like a hundred billion years to just count them, not create them, just to count the stars. They do it scientifically by taking a picture at random of the sky and counting what's in the picture and then multiplying by that. You calculate the circumference of the, of the Earth and the visible stars, this is how they, but if you count them one, two, they take one second per star to count, it will take you a hundred billion years, day and night, without stopping, just to count them. Now all this we're told in Quran is in the smallest and the innermost of seven universes. So all this vastness is in the smallest universe. Imagine seven balls inside each other. The second universe is bigger. The third is bigger than the two. The third universe, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, the seventh. Can you imagine the circumference of the seventh universe? How long is it, the circumference? There is no number that can describe that. We do not have, an, you know, at the time of the Quran revelation, they didn't count beyond 1,000. And now, with our computers, we do not have a number that will, even if you estimate the differences between the seven universes, and being very conservative, you still will not have a number that will describe the circumference of the seventh universe in, in light years or millions of light years. Infinity would be the closest and most honest description of the circumference of the seventh universe. If you go to the edge of, of our solar system, <laughs> the Earth would be almost invisible. You have to use very, very powerful telescopes in our solar system. If you go to the edge of our galaxy, 
The earth is absolutely invisible. And on this earth walked a man called Jesus or Muhammad. So the people do not know God. They are unaware of who God is. Because this infinity, the circumference of the seventh universe, we're told in Surah 39, is held within God's right hand. This allegorical description being withheld within God's right hand uh, is to tell us how big God is, how great God is, and who God is. Because it is not held within his hands. There's a difference between holding something like this or like this inside. How much space do you have inside your hand? God is great. And because of this greatness, God is capable of treating you as if you're the only creature in the universe. God has that capability, and he does. He's closer to you personally than your jugular vein. God is great. We cannot understand or encompass the greatness of God. God is capable of treating every ant as if it is the only creature in the universe. Can you imagine the circulatory system of the ant? The heart of the ant it does have a heart and it beats. <laughs> it's not like our heart, but it does have a heart. It has a circulatory system. And God controls that. As if it is the only creature in the universe. So when God says in Surah 53, God is the one who makes you happy or miserable. God is the one who makes you rich or poor. And when we raise the new understanding, which is absolutely essential for you to go to heaven. Namely, God is doing everything. We need to know who God is to understand and appreciate that statement. God is doing everything. The only thing we do is choose to be with God or with Satan. This is it. After that, God takes over. And God makes you rich or poor, happy or miserable. God is doing everything. However, misery comes from Satan. But God, in accordance with God's will. So the ultimate doer is God. And we bring the misery on themselves, on ourselves. We choose to put our finger in the fire or not. So when it hurts, it's because we chose to put our finger in the fire. And it is God's law that when you put your finger in the fire, it hurts. So we bring the pain on ourselves. So if you have any problem of any kind, you just have to ask yourself, why do I have this problem? And you have to dig and find out why and remove the reasons. You have to be honest with yourself. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين 
إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين إهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين الله أكبر سمع الله لمن حمده الله أكبر الله أكبر 